Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm David Breer, Group CEO here at 11FS. In today's episode, we're going to be asking, can the UK avoid a mortgage market meltdown? Sadly, the news for the UK mortgage market is currently a little bit more brutal than a Tarantino film, isn't it? Uh, July saw the two-year fixed rate mortgage hit its highest rates in 15 years at an ominous 6.66%. Uh, it feels like we probably need a, a priest and some holy water at this stage, potentially. But uh, it is definitely fair to say, though, that things are looking extremely difficult right now for many homeowners uh, looking to renew their deals in the coming months and facing extremely elevated lending costs, while at the same time highly increased cost of living and a real general squeeze on affordability. While only 37% of people in the UK have a mortgage, this squeeze really hurts everybody down the, the line, whether it's those renting uh, or even those looking to get onto the, to the ladder as well. And with rent going up dramatically and inevitably house prices being depressed with this also, then everybody is really feeling that squeeze. This is all leading to an oddly spread out financial crisis with one domino having a real impact on the next and causing issues further down the line for everybody. Sadly, we've also seen this movie before, particularly the American version in 2008. And we all know how that ends, and we all know it doesn't particularly work out well for the wider economy. But, man, that is the most depressing intro I think I've ever, I've ever got through. But, uh, but what, what can actually be done by this? Can we uh, avoid this potential fate? Uh, and all of this is what we're going to be exploring with a, a panel of really amazing guests. We're going to be looking at how do we get to this point? What can we do actually about it? And really, what does the next six months to a year hold for us all here in the UK market? We'll discuss all of this and much, much more on today's show. But first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere. Fintech Insider community, we need your help. The 11FS Awards returns on Wednesday, 15th of November, and we will be celebrating the people and businesses from across the globe who are helping to move the industry forward. This is where you come in. Do not miss your chance to influence who takes home an 11FS Awards trophy, whether they're trying to make the world a better place for their customers, changing the game for businesses, or utilizing AI to improve their customer experience. We want you to tell us who is building the best stuff. Submit your nominations right now at 11fsawards.com. That's 11fsawards.com. Let's get started. As always, I am joined by a panel of outstanding guests who can shed some light onto the question. Uh, first, it is great to be joined by Ben Thompson, who is the Deputy CEO at the Mortgage Advice Bureau. Thanks for being here, Ben. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much indeed. And thanks for having me here. No problem at all. Uh, for any listener who doesn't know, give a bit of an overview of, of you, your role, and what the Mortgage Advice Bureau does. Yeah, basically, well, my title is Deputy Chief Executive. Um, I run Mortgage Advice Bureau. We're a national network stroke mortgage broker with about 2,200 advisors, roughly. Um, and we advise on, obviously, mortgages and protecting those that move home or refinance. That's me. Very cool. Uh, very, very topical. I'm sure you guys are super busy in this period as well. Yes, very. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Fintech Insider debut also for Janesh Vora, who is the CEO over at Sprive. Welcome to the show, Janesh. How are you doing? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Long time. Um, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, what do you guys do over at Sprive? 
Yeah, sure. So we're a fintech app that helps homeowners pay off their mortgage faster. So some of your listeners might be familiar with apps like Moneybox, Plum, Chip, help you screw away cash for the purposes of saving to invest. We're helping people pay down their mortgage debt. We launched about um, 18 months ago. We now have about 23,000 customers um, chipping away at their mortgage. The average customer survives on track to save about £8,000 in interest and pay off their mortgage three years earlier. Very cool. Very cool. Very topical as well. So we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that a little bit more. Uh, and finally, it is a welcome return to Fintech Insider for Maria Harris, Director of Digital Cat Consultancy. Welcome back to the show, Maria. How are you doing? Thanks, David. Lovely to be back. Thank you. It sounds like you're in a, a, a better place than all of us. You're uh, over in Spain. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Um, so I moved here in September and thankfully get to work from home most of the time, which is nice. Very good. Rising mortgage rates and rising uh, temperatures over in Spain, I understand as well. So uh, it's uh, great. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, tell us a little bit more about the work that you guys do at Digital Cat Consultancy. Yep. So most people know me from the mortgage industry, where I joined in 2006, right before that Hollywood blockbuster that you mentioned. Um, so Digital Cat works with mortgage lenders and mortgage technology firms. We help them to digitise what they do. Um, I also chair the Open Property Data Association, who are writing the data and technology standards to try and digitise the home buying process. And I am a non-exec director with United Trust Bank, who are a specialist bank based in London. Very cool. And very busy, I imagine, with all of that as well. But uh, well, thank you very much for, for joining us, everybody. Let's, let's dive in. Uh, maybe if we start the conversation by looking at really how we got to this point. Maria, the, the floor is yours. I mean, we've gone from incredibly low rates. I mean, there's a whole generation of people that forgot interest rates were a thing, wasn't uh, and for the last 15 years, that's been how it's been so. But how has this happened? You know, we, we uh, for anybody looking at the Bank of England graph, they would think something is, is very, very wrong. Absolutely. And, uh, and we have got very conditioned over that 15 year period to what was um, an artificially low interest rate. And that was driven by so many things that are kind of, you know, outside what most people need to know about how money works around monetary policy and um, the kind of recovery after the global financial crisis and um, the global interest rate environments being really low, which means all countries kind of follow the same pattern. Um, and we've had a lot of financial support that's come from central banks. So things like quantitative easing, government schemes, lots of housing stimulus help to buy all of those kind of things. And we've kind of forgotten that, that that's not normal, that actually having interest rates between five and six percent we're the long-term average, and that's kind of the basis that we worked on. And I think there was always a plan that we would kind of slowly have that route back to normal. And, you know, that's been accelerated in a way that I don't think any of us predicted. We talk about this kind of trilogy of, of black swan events that we've had with COVID and then the war in Ukraine and now a cost of living crisis. And those kind of things are things that you plan for once in 100 years. And we've had three of them in the last three years. So, yes, I think, um, I think, I think the acceleration has been a lot steeper than any of us were expecting it to be. Yeah, and and uh, Andrew Bailey's obviously sort of come out from the Bank of England and sort of said that this is this is sort of why we're doing it, and there's a little bit of ambiguity and uh, around the edges there of of really what they're trying to do. But you know, after 18 months of uh, 12 consecutive base rate rises, I mean, is this necessary, as you say, to 
to get us back to where we should be, because there's a lot of people probably holding their breath, hoping it goes back to where it was, you know, uh, two years ago rather than where it was 10 years ago. But is this necessary, do you think, in terms of the the sort of steadying of the ship from a, a UK economy perspective? So I think the preference would have been to have a kind of a slower and a more controlled change path to get where we are. And I think the intention was always to get back to somewhere closer to five, because like I say, that is kind of the market norm. But the markets are very much based on, you know, confidence and, and stability and being able to predict what's going to happen. And that's probably the biggest thing that impacts the cost of mortgages rather than base rate. But the, that confidence is absolutely driven from base rate. So um, I think, you know, the market's used to pricing in expectations and that speed of changes is just way faster than, than it should have been. So I think we could do with a little bit of a period of calm and not having any changes. So, you know, the US inflation fell this week, which is hugely helpful. That's a two-year low. The news that came out today about UK inflation dropping and, and more importantly, the underlying inflation dropping, because that's the thing that Bank of England take their, their kind of stimulus from. So I'm hoping that just means that we can have a little bit of a period of calm, the rate the, the kind of markets can just have a bit of stability, and then we actually have a plan on how we get back to whatever we're planning for longer term with a level of confidence and a level of predictability, which is what markets like. The only thing I'd quickly add to that is just the fact that the markets are already pricing in off the back of that good news this morning, or less bad news, if you like, less of a rise in interest rates as we look forward. Uh, that's softened already this morning and will probably soften further, and I think that's good news for everybody. Long way to go, though. And it's worth it's worth maybe sort of touching on that, Ben. I mean, how are advisors and how are, are mortgage firms more broadly sort of reacting to in this period? Because, I mean, obviously, there's lots of sort of conversations around how quickly rates get passed through when it comes to savings. But, but obviously, the mortgage rates change dramatically overnight. And that has a, a really significant effect on people's day-to-day expenditure, doesn't it? It really does. And I think what's so unfair, if you like, around you know, monetary policy, in particular base rate increases and sort of the cycle of people being on typically two and five year fixed rates is there's a bunch of people taking serious pain now because they've had to refinance into higher rates. Um, and there's a whole load of people that might still have two or three years left on a fixed rate at a really low rate. So it's quite unfair, if you like, that sort of relatively blunt instrument these days in terms of base rate used to sort of, you know, curb inflation, if that makes sense. Um, but at consumer level, you know, I think customers and advisors have been fantastic through the last 10 months. They really have. You know, one of the good things around mortgage customers at the moment is they've been underwritten quite strictly, strictly over the course of trying to work the maths out probably the last nine years, um, where there's sort of been a bit of a buffer applied to underwriting. So although people can afford a certain level of mortgage, can they afford it if rates go up much further? So the underwriting has been great. That's created conditions where people have been able to get through in particular the last 10 months. Uh, but of course, it's only affected a number of borrowers. And there's many, many more who it will affect in the sort of the coming months and sort of couple of years and that's been difficult but on the whole we've not seen any what I call real negative fallout from it yes it's painful but customers are paying their mortgages um, and they're very very largely paying their mortgages and that's all okay um, and we're getting through it because of that tough underwriting that's gone down in sort of the previous decade. And just to I guess just to sort of double click on that to a certain degree because I mean as you say this isn't just a, a base rate change and mortgage rates that's affecting things in that world is it I mean we've seen uh, you know, cost of living crisis is is a compounding factor to this in terms of real affordability in that sense as well. So, I mean, there's lots sort of written about the the potential really that there's a you know a, a good slug of the the UK market who are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. If 
they come off a fixed rate mortgage and the cost of living crisis has essentially affected their real truest sense of affordability, they're, they're probably unlikely to be able to continue paying this, the existing mortgage, let alone a, a significant increase. So do you think that's something, is there this sort of ticking time bomb, do you think, in the market uh, for a, you know, a good proportion of the market? Or to your point just now, do you, do you think that the, 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 the market is, is ready to absorb those additional costs? I think it's more the latter. Um, so ticking time bomb, I'd say definitely no, as best we can say at the moment. We've got a pinch point here at the moment, and it's particularly unpleasant for those who are refinancing from low rate to high rate now. And have also still got the legacy high costs of fuel and other expenditures such as food and things. But what you tend to see, and the pace of this change is different these days versus a couple of decades ago, is markets sort themselves out. So when you've sort of got a pinch on affordability from energy, from food, from many other, even furniture and other things in the last sort of 18 months or so, then you've got the rise in interest rates, which drives up mortgage payments. Suddenly people have less disposable income, inflation peaks and comes down and gradually everything falls back and eases back. You know, look at petrol now. I think it's 20, 24, 25% cheaper than it was not that long ago. You know, that's already coming back. That's going to affect forward looking fuel prices and stuff like that. We know factory pricing of sort of food and stuff is coming down. Um, that means in sort of six to nine months, we know that price of food will come down. And obviously inflation is on a path downwards, in particular following the good news this morning. And that's the market sorting itself out. So the worst time is this pinch point now. I feel desperately for people who are going through refinancing in particular this year. But as we look into next year, we'll probably know where inflation has peaked. We'll know where interest rates have peaked. And maybe even possibly they're coming off or down from where they, they currently are towards the back end of this year, for example, and then the position gets slightly easier for everybody. Um, so it's a particular pinch point at the moment, but no, it's not an Armageddon thing. Uh, I love your optimism. I'm always uh, the optimist. <laughs> I'm definitely grateful I'm not uh, remortgaging in the next six months, as you say, but it's uh, uh, I can definitely sort of see the, the pain that those people could kind of go through. I mean, Janesh, I mean, it's a, an interesting time. And, you know, in any sort of uh, crisis of any type, there's always opportunities. And I guess with you guys being, you know, mortgage related platform in that sense, then this is an opportunity to help people, right? Yeah, I think you're completely right. I think um, obviously it is a tough time for many homeowners. You know, we talked about cost of living and, and, and rates rising, but there are solutions out there like Sprive that can kind of help people. Um, like in our, if we look at our audience base, you've got people who are still on those low rates and they're desperately now trying to overpay their mortgage, trying to chip away, um, to try to bring that balance down um, so that they are, you know, ultimately pay less interest, maybe improve their loan to value. So when they do come to like refinancing, they can kind of secure some some cheaper deals. And the beauty of the app um, with Sprive is that it just based on your spending because you because you link your bank account by open banking. We have a very good idea of how much people can afford, and they can kind of set aside. And you know, if you spend lots of money um, compared to the norm, then we. Just, you know, set aside less money compared to weeks and months where you're spending, you know, lots of money and you've got a lot less money kind of to put towards your mortgage. Um, and then we've come up with like innovative solutions. So when we were talking to our customers, we kind of saw this coming very quickly, rates rates rose. But one of the things we do is just constantly talk to homeowners around what their kind of challenges are. And, and one of the things that became very apparent about a year ago is that people saying that, you know, with the cost of living, 
that's going to be very difficult to start even putting extra money towards the mortgage, even if you're talking about a few pounds equivalent a day. Um, and so we started um, building what we call Shop with Sprive, which is basically everyone's got to eat, everyone's got to do their weekly shop. Um, and so we started partnering with lots of like main top tier brands. So now we've got Asda, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, M&S, Iceland, Waitrose, and a whole plethora of, of top tier brands where every time our customers do their shopping, they can essentially pay off their mortgage faster and, and again, um, get the benefits of saving money. So um, yeah, it definitely is a, it is a tough time, but you know, we're, we're trying to come up with innovative solutions to just help people kind of move that needle. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating one, isn't it? As much as, um, as you say, the, and, and Ben, as you say, the, uh, the market there is sort of slices the market that are, are more greatly affected by it. Um, when anybody starts to see anybody struggle or anybody panic, I mean, the last crisis really was based on confidence, wasn't it? Confidence in the financial system, confidence in anything. Um, you know, people's confidence in those organisations that are are there to kind of support them. Um, there's some statistics that uh, the the producers have sort of put in of how concerned homeowners should be about this, and we saw. 56% of people were very or somewhat concerned by the potential future increase in cost of mortgages. I mean, when more than half of the country is is you know very or or somewhat concerned by that, I mean that's that's a that's a big movement, isn't it? On top of everything else as well, that's that was sort of seeing in the market, I guess, because it's worth sort of saying, uh, and we've sort of touched on this in you know various different angles. This is a uh, uh, not one slice in its own right but you know very much with political unrest and recession more broadly all of the uh you know different changes that we've sort of seen you know this really is the the culmination of different changes in the market isn't it rather than just one of those triggers so um it's a weird one isn't it i i guess ben maybe just to touch on your point you made earlier on around the uh before we sort of move on a little bit but to touch on your point around the base rate being a little bit of a um, a bit, a bit of an archaic way of sh- steering the ship when it comes to the UK economy. Um, t- talking a little bit more about that, because I mean, I, I think um, while obviously I sort of touched on this in the intro about a third of the UK has a mortgage, making these changes in the way that the Bank of England is doing, they uh, attempt to change the entirety of the economy in in its right, does it, doesn't it? But yeah. the squeeze on that third is over dramatic should you know maybe i'd say yeah and it's not just a squeeze on the third it's a squeeze on a percentage of that third as well and that's why i think it's a blunt tool because you've got a bunch of people on fixed rates who won't come off you know it staggers up over the course of the next three or four years if that makes sense i think the peak of the pain point is in quarter one 2025 um but i think what the bank's doing i don't don't think it has many alternatives. You know, if you if you raise, for example, income tax or VAT across the board, it's deeply unfair and a two-thirds who are not mortgaged, and I could go, go on about that forever. Of course, it'd have an immediate impact, but the fallout is significantly worse and politically as well. So I don't believe the bank has a choice. But I think one of the positives from the negatives, if I can describe it this way, is the the mood all this creates on the high street in households is it's, it's sufficiently dark enough to curb spending. Um, and eventually... Um, the mood will catch up such that pay rises are lower. We're already seeing employ- employment vacancies, for example, are markedly lower than they were. And gradually it becomes apparent that we can't spend perhaps as we have been, even though that's definitely not the primary cause, to be clear. And we will get through and inflation will come back and it will fall quite quickly when it falls. So we do get to where we need to get to. And in the same way as back in September 23rd, I think it was last year, instantly within 24, 48 hours of that mini budget, we knew what was going to happen. 
that we could foresee where we're going to be in sort of quarter one, quarter two. You could see immediately this is going to be painful and this is how it's going to play out. In the same way, I'd say now you can sort of look forward and think, well, off the back of the good news that Maria mentioned earlier this morning in terms of the inflation figures being sub 8%, you can now look forward with a degree of confidence that we're not that far from the peak. And if we're not that far from the peak, that's potentially good news for borrowers in the medium to longer term. So um, I don't think they've got much of a choice other than what they're doing. And the mood that's been created from the bank and into the press in particular is we need to take some pain, which I think is unfair. What I would personally like to see is a period of flat for some time. I don't want to see a recession for obvious reasons, don't want to see households hurt, but we do need to go through a period of flat. And that will sort this out. Yeah, do you know, Ben, I think you're absolutely right about the, that mentality of people catching up, though, because I think the ONS stats for um, last week were that the last week in June, first two weeks in July, are the first time that we've actually seen a drop in discretionary spend across the board. I think it was something like 63% of people had reduced their spending. And that's the first time that that's happened, because in May, April and May, those numbers were still going up and we had bank holidays and amazing weather and lots of really good reasons to go out and buy food and drink and outdoor clothing and things to do outdoors and the weather was fab and in all of those things increased spending which actually really didn't help with inflation so it's almost like that that spending change or that spending expectation of discretionary spenders starting to come in now and we do need that we just need people just to to take that pressure off so that everybody else can catch their breath. It's going to be interesting to see, isn't it, going into the holiday period, do do people sort of reduce that down? And, uh, you know, are we going to see a lot of little less people jetting off to uh, sunnier climates to uh, save a bit of money? But may, maybe I, I guess, um, you know, having looked at how we got ourselves into this uh, this situation, then what do we do? What do we advise people to do? Because there, there's going to be people listening to this show who uh, not only are kind of fintech nerds, banking nerds like us, but actually people who are in this situation of a fixed uh, mortgage coming to an end. Uh, ben, maybe you start with you. What what are advisors advising people to to do in this period of time? Well, again, you've got you've got difficult baskets of people, if that makes sense. You've got um, you know people who are perhaps not particularly highly geared. They haven't borrowed that much. Um, maybe prepared to take a bit more of a gamble and say you know fix for two years, wait for rates to be lower at the end of the two year period. And then obviously you're selecting a lower rate at the end. That's quite a brave thing to do. But if you're not highly geared, it's an option. In the same way, you could take what's called a tracker mortgage, which tracks the back of England rate. Obviously, those rates are relatively low compared to some of the, the other fixed rate products available. Same point, if you think rates are near the peak of the cycle, they'll go up a bit maybe, but then they'll come down maybe again on the other side. That's a gamble that someone who's not borrowed that much might be prepared to take. But in the main, Nearly all the, the, the sort of the advice we're giving and the conversations we're having with customers are around, you know, just lock in at your best rate you can get. So we're seeing still five-year rates at relatively competitive numbers. Yes, they're way higher than they were 18 months ago. And if that enables you to budget over this next five-year period, you're not taking a risk with your family expenditure and sort of income and outgoings and everything, you know, still fixing at that level by historical standards is actually very low. So why wouldn't you take a five-year fix? Um, so if there's any risk, we're advising people to fix, take the lowest fix, which is typically a five year at the moment. And it's only really those that are prepared to take a really thinking view in terms of inflation peaking in the near term, are prepared to go for sort of a two year fix or a tracker. If in doubt, fix. You can't typically go wrong. Then the natural question we get to finalise the point on the other side is, if in 18 months time interest rates have come down 2% to 2.5% to give an extreme version of where it could go, what happens if I'm overpaying? Well, I'd always say to someone, well, firstly, you knew what you're paying in that period of volatility anyway. So it's kind of like an insurance product. 
And secondly, there comes a point in the cycle where rates have gone so low, you can come out and pay a penalty anyway. And you need to get advice around that. But of course, I would say just if in doubt, fix. Very good. Maria, maybe coming to you on that one. I I mean, I've heard, you know, when your friends give you uh, completely unsolicited advice or taxi drivers in and around London as well, I'm sure it's everywhere in in the world that that does this. But uh, there, there is two sort of schools of thought there, isn't there? There's the you know, ride the variable rate until some sort of normality comes. Although to your point, Maria, actually the 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 rate numbers that we're at is is more like normality if you zoom out far enough, isn't it? Uh, but equally, actually, could it get a lot worse and therefore is a, a fixed rate uh, opportunity the, the best way? What do you think right now? And I should, I should have added at the beginning of this, none of this is financial advice, people. Do your own research would be sensible. Absolutely. So yes, definitely go and speak to a mortgage broker before you do anything. I would definitely be my first piece of advice and don't take advice for people like me who aren't qualified. Um, so you're right. I mean, there's been some really weird things that have happened in the market and that's one of them has been the downside of low interest rates. So we have got people who are experiencing a rate rise for the very first time ever since they bought their house and that's come on the back of the financial impact of COVID when lots of people either um, deferred payments or had support in place or or had to burn through savings and you've got other people who came out of COVID really well with more savings than they were expecting and had actually had lower spend during that period and lots of people saw house price growth during that period as well and have actually come down LTV brackets and have actually finding that they're remortgaging onto a lower rate because they're, they're property price has gone up so much and that actually they've dropped down an LTV band. So yeah, it's just the most bizarre mix. I think as well, Ben's point is absolutely right that anybody who's taken a two-year fixed in the last couple of years has been actually had their affordability calculated on a really high interest rate. The expectation being that at the end of that two years, you would go to the lender's SVR. And we know at the moment, lender's SVR rates are kind of up in seven, eights, nines. And that's the rate that the mortgage has been stressed at. So people have headroom, even though it doesn't really feel like it right now. Um, but people's expectations of, you know, discretionary spend and how much we spend on other things in our life, maybe, yeah, we uh, I think we just need a bit of a correction in there. And the portion of income that people are spending at the moment on housing and um, not just their mortgage but their household bills and all of that kind of stuff that stuff will start coming down now that inflation's dropping it takes time to wash through but people need to know that it will come so get the help that you need now to get you through this pinch point to get through the squeeze if you don't have that wiggle room and I know it hurts people who are on lower incomes or higher LTVs or people who maybe don't have as much of a cushion like they feel at harder Go and get the help that you need, whether that's speaking to a mortgage intermediary, speak to your lender. They've got tools that they can help you with in the meantime, or go and look at some of the financial management tools that are out there like Sprive and Snoop and places that can go and help you to manage your bills or get payments down or find other ways just to take that pressure off while we get through this next little phase of uh, normality. Janesh, have you seen any difference in your users? Have you seen any more uh, people be- taking a bit more active control in this period of time, given all of the all of the news around this, all of the uncertainty? Uh, I imagine uh, any element of control uh, people are, are really happy to have. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen just a more engaged audience around their mortgage. I think in, in the past, I think people accepted low rates. And, and when things are, things are you know, relatively kind of business as usual, they don't tend to focus much on their mortgage. It's something they take, ticking in the background. They're kind of paying their monthly payments and they're, they're quite happy and they're, they're spending their money elsewhere and focusing their energy on other things. And, and now what's become really apparent is everyone's trying to, really focus on their mortgage and what can they do and what's within their control to be able to um, kind of move that needle a little bit. And so, 
Um, it's really interesting when we kind of segment our user base, depending on your where you are, depends on how you react. And, and so we're seeing some people spend a lot less money um, on their, on, you know, and, and really try to cut back. And, and I think, Maria, you mentioned, you know, t- apps like, you know, Snoop and Emma and, and, and apps that can only help you kind of manage your, your spending. I think those are just really great tools to just kind of make sure you, you're, you're, you're spending on the, on the key things that, that matter. And on the flip side, we are seeing people using, you know, apps like us who are increasing their overpayments, which I, which I, which I, which I thought was quite, quite surprising. But then on the flip side, you know, we're, we're seeing some user base that are just not even putting any extra money towards their mortgage. And they're really interested in the whole shot with Sprite feature because they feel like that's the only way they can go about essentially paying off their, their mortgage. And then on the remortgaging side, which is, you know, we're, we're seeing every, every month, you know, hundreds of customers who are looking to essentially remortgage because their deals looking to kind of come up for renewal in, in six months. Talking to customers, product transfers seems to be very common. I think lenders are com- uh, competitively pricing, um, you know, um, deals to kind of retain their existing user base. And so we're seeing a lot of customers kind of switching, especially with deals, you know, the market changing quite rapidly and deals being pulled. They feel a little bit more comfortable because product transfers and switching with your existing lender is a little bit quicker than maybe refinancing from one lender to another. Um, and also it's a little bit a little bit easier to do so. Um, and so we're seeing a big portion of our user base switch from the, the you know the, the same lender they're at and then kind of move to a to a to another lender. But on the flip side, they're also really keen to speak to a mortgage advisor because they want to make sure they make the right decision. And they're also you know, very concerned about the fact that you know the monthly payments are going to increase, and that's going to have a you know, significant impact on their on their kind of their, their personal their personal finances. And I know like the government's done you know a few initiatives to kind of the people that are really feeling the squeeze, they could potentially go into like an interest only mortgage for a temporary period of time, and that may not impact their kind of their, their credit rating. Or if you need to, um, I would kind of say again a, a, you know a, a last kind of a last resort, but potentially extending the term out um, which means that your monthly payments don't maybe don't increase as much in the short term so um, yeah definitely the main thing I would say is homeowners are definitely focused on their mortgage which is good for a platform like ours because you know we, we're, we can we can kind of help yeah I mean it's an interesting point that and, and Ben you sort of touched on this a, a second ago because I mean arguably these changes are being made in the market in order to uh, you know curb spending to a certain degree and have an impact but the government are trying to obviously shelter people from um, maybe the more disadvantaged uh, areas of that impact being uh, so absolute that actually it causes financial distress across a you know a, a demographic of the uh, of the UK population. So it really is a bizarrely odd balancing act uh, that is is happening between the you know the UK banks, the UK government, and the the Bank of England in order to to sort of thread the eye of this needle to to get the whole of the economy to where it really needs to be. And I mean, that that balancing act is, as, as you sort of touched on a little bit earlier on, uh, uh, Maria, with the the graph on the, you know, the the Bank of England, it's, um, you know, Ben, we're, we're seeing the Bank of England put salt in sort of slowly, slowly, but now they're putting bags of salt in and bags of salt in to, to try and uh, change the taste of the market. Yeah, and I, I think, again, just thinking about how that pain is going to be administered. The government's navigating a narrow path of not throwing money at this problem, which we cannot do. We've seen enough in the last 15 years post the global financial crisis. We can't see any more of it. 
for a whole variety of reasons we shouldn't do it. If nothing else, it'll stoke the problem and make it worse. Um, I think what they've been very good at, and in particular, really the industry has led this with the government. It started during the COVID period where lenders went the extra mile to help borrowers who are in difficulties when everything was shut in COVID. And we're going through a very difficult furlough position, which I almost can't bring myself to talk about because it's just a bad dream, isn't it? But no, but I think in the same vein now, we've got the mortgage charters that the lenders have pulled together with, with various um, you know, other parties, including the government. And there's options available for people who are struggling. Um, so again, people should talk to a mortgage advisor about that if it's a case of what are my options and my deals coming to an end. Um, but if they're in genuine real difficulties, then probably ultimately talk to the lender and just say, look, I can't pay, what can I do? Um, and that's called the mortgage charter. And it's been helpfully pulled together without having to spend money. Uh, so the eye of the needle point and you know, walking that narrow path is, 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 really, is really right. Um, but I do think they got the balance right at the moment. They should not throw money at the problem. Yeah, I agree. All right. On that note, we're going to take a, a quick break. We'll be back with you very shortly. We all know SMEs are the backbone of any economy. So why are they still so underserved? 67% of them globally say fighting for survival is their top challenge. It's time for financial services to put its cape on. At 11FS Ventures, we're building, researching, strategizing, designing, and engineering game-changing propositions with banks and fintechs to better serve the SME market. We've already helped RBS better serve small business owners and sole traders by bringing metal to life. So the question is, what do you want us to help make a reality for you? Let us know at 11FS.com slash ventures. That's 11FS.com slash ventures. Okay, so having looked at how we got to the current crisis and what the potential solutions out there actually are to get us to the to uh, back to whatever normality looks like, when and what we should really do is is look at what we reckon the next six to twelve months are going to look like. I'm not going to ask you guys for a prediction of what you reckon the uh, the the base rate's going to be uh, to the to. Uh, I think we go two digits, won't we, on that one? Just to, but uh, maybe if we talk about really what we think the industry will look like in that period of time because i mean we've talked about different solutions but we've talked about you know how the government how different parties are sort of reacting but but maria what, what do you what do you hope what do you hope will happen in the next six to 12 months so calm calm would be nice just you know some stability and some yeah some predictability would be lovely um but i think even with that i think you know everybody's predicting that we will probably narrowly avoid a recession but you know the the, the flip side between a 0.2 growth and a 0.2 decline is actually you know it's kind of a rounding error and it's very very fine margins but the mortgage market and actually housing demand doesn't seem to act rationally in that scenario either, which is why it's so hard to make predictions and why I'm really pleased I'm not an economist. Um, so I think the, the stats that I've seen this week are that, you know, buyer demand is up 3% versus this time in 2019. So pre our Black Swan trilogy in, in what you would have called a more normal market. But we've also got a really, we know we've had a long-term issue with lack of supply, but also the market's been really weird on supply for the last 12 months with new builds slowing down no housing targets which i don't think any of us expected to happen either um we're not really sure what's happening with buy to let there's stories that you know investors are selling up and there's stories that that's not happening at all and that that's impacting rents and things so yeah the market dynamic doesn't act rationally i think we just need to remember that well all of that's happening and whatever's happening to the economy 
people still need to move because life is still happening. People are getting pregnant. People are getting divorced. People need to upsize. They need to downsize. They need to move for work or for whatever their reasons are. And that people still need mortgages for that to happen. So um, I think over the next 12 months, I would like, yeah, just to see things calm down a bit, but for us just to remember that at the end of this, there's like a human who has a reason to have to do the things that they need to do and that we continue to help them and make those things happen. Yeah, I think that's uh, that stability, that calm, uh, I think is a... Uh... Uh, a definite, uh, a definite need, isn't there? I mean, Ben, um, you know, many of the listeners that we've we've got would be concerned about, you know, their their home ownership status or or their children as well, who are sort of embarking into this uh, uh, this market at a, a very different period than than maybe that they did as well. I mean, do you think there's enough support in place right now for for people to get onto the ladder for the first time? Uh, yeah, both staying on that ladder. I mean, it gets uh, the ladder gets uh, more precarious the, uh, the the bigger your mortgage and the higher up that ladder you get to a certain degree, doesn't it? But uh, but as you say, the getting on that ladder in the first place is a a very big step, isn't it? With all of the other pieces that uh, Maria was talking about in terms of that impact, the constraints around that. Yeah, and I think so. First and foremost, you know, I think help to buy was really helpful. Um, in terms of, I guess, propping up the market through and post a difficult period. Uh, but ultimately, it's still stimulus into the market that we probably don't need, and it creates some unfairness in the system as well. What I want to do is see the market absorb, you know, the changes going on around us to the point where, that's the first point I pick up on is, say, is house prices, for example, thinking more with a first-time buyer in mind. Um, we need a period of flat to a bit of negative for a good period of time to enable affordability for first-time buyers to come back. Um, so even though prices are flattening off at the moment and we are seeing some first-time buyer activity, there's still loads of people that will be holding off now because they're scared by the higher rates. But of course, the dynamic and the cost between renting and buying means that lots of people will want to buy. And that's what you're seeing in a demand that Maria's talking about. Um, the key thing for me is just seeing that adjustment downwards in house prices. And in particular, one bit that's often missed is the relativity to inflation. So if you've got a 5% drop in house prices and inflation's at 10%, you can see that's a much bigger fall than is being covered. And then in the background, you've got wages keeping up to a point almost with inflation. You can see how an affordability comes back over a period of months and certainly looking out beyond a 12-month period. So first-time buyers will come back. But I think the point at which they come back is when, if I'm a first-time buyer, firstly, I don't want to be in renting because it's expensive or I can't find somewhere. Um, and then secondly, the key thing is I can look at rates and think they've probably peaked or they're even coming down, but it's certainly peaked. So I've got certainty there. I will buy um, the other little bits I just talk around very briefly are there's a lot of commentary around Armageddon nightmare scenario and everything else. But in terms of housing transactions, we're at an incredible low at the moment. And we have actually been lower than long term average for a long time. Um, so that's typically about 1.4, 1.5 million transactions a year um, from a housing perspective. You know, roughly now we're definitely a sub a million in terms of rub rate. So there's not much further it can go for all the reasons Maria highlighted. Um, so we're at that low base already. Um, so the recovery should follow and it's as and when confidence comes back. Um, and as I say, that's almost certainly when you know mortgages and, and rates have reached the peak of their cycle. Um, so I'm optimistic, but we just need to go through this period of change and pain and we'll come out the other side inevitably. And I don't think, again, there's any more money that people should throw at propping up the housing market. The lenders and should find a way through this and come out the other side with normal criteria and we go again for a market recovery. Janesh, what, what do you think? What's the what's the next 12 months going to hold? What do you uh, what do you hope for the market? 
Yeah, I think more innovative solutions coming to to market, I think would be nice. I'm seeing for first time buyers, you know, things like um, you've got Generation Home that, you know, creating an innovative solution where parents can essentially help uh, help their children kind of get onto the property ladder, um, seeing new lenders come on board, there's on ladder um, that's basically again trying to help people kind of get onto the onto the property ladder. I've seen um, other innovative solutions where you know rent your way to ownership type solutions and pathway points and who, who are kind of building something quite interesting. Um, so you know I think it's I think with with kind of these kind of challenges, I think people looking around, looking at tech, looking at maybe you know what they could do to kind of kind of solve some of the bigger problems we have around the housing market because we obviously know we live on an island there's only x amount of space where you can kind of essentially um you know build new new builds and and obviously there's a whole generation coming through who have seen you know their their parents and and grandparents buy buy their own homes and, and they want to do the same and I think you know, obviously no one wants to really be renting for the for their for the for their whole lives and essentially paying off someone else's someone else's mortgage. So I think um, that I think is is definitely um, interesting. I'm just seeing all the time new new interesting solutions coming coming to play. Um, also, I think this kind of this whole situation. I think it's um, it's probably got a lot of the kind of the existing community thinking about how they could probably potentially do things better. Um, so obviously, with like mortgage rates being pulled quite dramatically, it created a lot of uh, a lot of uh, issues across the across the the board, whether it's customers, intermediaries, or, or lenders. And I and I and I and I'm having really interesting conversations across the spectrum on how we can use technology to kind of improve the customer experience. Um, so at the moment, if you've ever got a mortgage, you probably you know are, are aware that it can be a, a time-consuming process. Um, you know, providing a lot of information around your spending, your your credit commitments, your your property, and, and 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 there's a lot of paperwork that you need to provide. And you know, you see that in the insurance space, for example, you can get a, a buying quote journey where literally they they know a lot about you, and and very quickly you can kind of move from one policy to another. That doesn't happen necessarily as much as maybe consumers would like in the in the in the mortgages space. And so, you know, we are seeing kind of you know, lenders talking about how they can do better integrations, etc., um, and and use technology to kind of improve the the customer experience. So I think out of, out of and it's not all doom and gloom. I think um, you know through hard times you do get innovation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, when, the more we talk about this, the more the the, both the problem and the circumstances and all of the variables that are causing it are as probably as complex as the solutions that'll solve it, aren't they? Which is uh, uh, always the way. But uh, um, maybe as a just a quick fire round to, before we close out. I mean, in any of these periods, as you say, Janesh, there's there's points of innovation, there's points of opportunity, but there's also uh, areas of learning, particularly for the industry. Um, what do you hope that the industry learns through this current odd period that we're in? I mean, I, I would say that it's so important that we work together um, and that there's good communication between both lenders, the intermediary community and, and consumers. Um, and I think um, sometimes there's been a bit of panic with uh, with customers really, like those periods where interest rates were rising so rapidly, mortgage deals being pulled, all they hear is... Um, um, the press and, and the press can be quite quite negative and, and people making kind of knee-jerk reactions around their personal finances and, and and maybe that wasn't you know the right action that they should kind of um, that action they should they should they should really take and so I think the more quickly um, communication can be passed on um, to onto the end consumer and they can get kind of high quality advice i think is is really important i think generally people when it comes to their mortgages they talk to like a mortgage advisor if they do that at all 
you know, every two, three, five years. And, and that's not very regular when you think about the mortgage and the, the cost of debt that essentially someone's taking on over such a long period of time. You know, a lot of people spend, you know, end up paying hundreds of thousands of pounds in interest over the, over the lifetime of the, of, the, of the mortgage. And so I think just better communication, both, you know, with, your, with, with the existing lenders, if you, if you have a mortgage or through your mortgage advisor on being, being with you every step of the way and not just when you're looking to change that deal. I'd say the same to you, Maria. I mean, and, and that's a really good point from Janesh. The bizarrely how big and important the relationship we have with our mortgage provider, but how little a relationship we generally have with them. It's quite bizarre, isn't it? But uh, what uh, what do you hope the industry learns in this period? Yeah, I mean, the industry continues to surprise itself. I think with how incredibly resilient we are and how we always manage to find a way through whatever it is we get thrown at. I think the thing that I've really stood out for me this year, though, is just how closely now we we're understanding the link between financial health and mental health and there's been such a focus this year on having the right support for customers and really understanding like how they're feeling and and kind of giving them emotional support but also for the industry i've never seen so much chat um on my network around broker health around respect between brokers and lenders around you know making sure that conveyances of valuers are, are kind of looked after while we've had real peaks and troughs of activity that have, have had you know negative impacts across the board so yeah for me it's that link between financial and mental health that just like two sides of the same coin yeah completely ben last word for you uh what do you hope the industry learns mine's very simple and, and agreeing with all the points made i think the only thing i would say is Innovation in our market is welcome for all the reasons Janesh rightly says, but it's also reflective of a dysfunctional market. Uh, what do I mean by that? If I go back, you know, two, three decades, lenders lent at 95 and 100% freely. So they underwrote the individual properly. And if we look back at those that took 100% mortgages, for example, over a 20, 25 year period, there's almost a 0% default rate. Why can't they do it today? If I'm renting and I'm 30 years old and I want to buy a home, why can't I buy a home? So what I want to see in particular now, we've seen a lot of the risk in the next few months come off house prices is lenders come back in hard at that sort of 95, possibly 95% plus area. Um, and that would bring tenants in to become homeowners, which from a mental health perspective, as well as a well-being perspective, is also really key. Um, so I'd like to see that. Um, the final bit for me is there's election at the end of next year, and that could be interesting because you never win an election in a bad housing market. Very true. There's got to be some promises of hope and glory on the other side, isn't there, of, uh, of that? So uh, we will see what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back foreshadowing uh, uh, not just the uh, mortgage rates, but the uh, potentially election results as well. But uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens on that one. Well, thank you so much, for everybody. Uh, that does wrap up today's discussion. A fantastic conversation, albeit slightly scary one. But uh, we'll definitely have to have you guys back as this uh, develops and as the, the changes in the market continue to change but um for all of you i mean where can people learn a little bit more about you and uh, your company so ben maybe starting with you yeah so on our mortgage advice bureau website there's an awful lot of information and tools and help that can be provided and my advice to anyone is do seek mortgage advice even if it's not for mortgage advice bureau because there's so much that people can help with now very good janesh sure so sprive.com if you're interested in learning more about sprive if you're a homeowner and you want to save some money on your mortgage um literally takes a minute to download the app we're both on android and ios um, if you're interested in kind of following my journey, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Very good. Maria? Yep. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Maria has Digital Cat. 
Very good. You can always find me lurking on LinkedIn somewhere as well. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you did like what you heard, then follow our podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us make it better and helps other people find the show as well. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on every social media point at this stage. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email us on podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye.